Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we break down the NFC and AFC championship games. We talk to Andy about what happened to the Green Bay Packers, what went wrong, and what happens moving forward. A lot of questions there with that post-game interview with Rodgers. Then we talked to professional basketball player Vinny Shahid. He's from Hopkins, Minnesota. He played at North Dakota State University, led that team to two straight tournament appearances. The last one was canceled because of coronavirus. Uh, he's playing now in Europe and, and just about to get his season started over there. Fantastic interview with Vinny. Uh, very fun to listen to him talk and to kind of explain how his journey happened. Then we wrap the show with the best thing we saw all week. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And it's been a ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I've won. And welcome to the show, Randy. We're, we're just going to start right with you. We're going to start right with this Bucks packers game. Uh, I know you're probably going to want to talk about that PI call at the end of the game. Uh, and we can talk about that. We can definitely talk about uh, no, that. You, you, know, you know what? Let's, let's talk about Mike Pettin deciding to run the Greg Williams New York Jets defense <laughs> at the end of that first half. Yes, yes, like, please. Like and, and first off, uh, a couple of plays before that, uh, Brady threw an out route or some like nothing route to a uh, Scotty Miller, and Troy Aikman, <laughs> Troy Aikman goes, yeah, Tom Brady's been throwing to guys like Scotty Miller his entire career. Like Troy, like just say that he throws <laughs> to white guys. Like just, just flat out come out and say that Tom Brady likes to throw to small white guys. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, Kevin King was um was. <laughs> burnt as 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 burnt toast uh that entire game um like i said we decided to run the uh engage eight greg williams defense there i i, I didn't know if we thought they were going to maybe try a quick play i i think we had no no idea that they were going to try a hail mary um but i think i mean even with the pi because the, the the pi on its own was was bs but um I mean, I don't know what the floor said to the team in, in the locker room, but it was one of those football games where, yeah, it came down to a, like a, a call like that, but it shouldn't have came down to that. Mm-hmm. You have the seven points at the end of the half. Um, if Rodgers doesn't throw that that interception, which, yeah, it was a hold, but I don't think it was blatant enough. It was one of those holds where, like, you watch an NCAA play and you see it. I think I, I, was, I wasn't expecting the rest to see that hold. Um, but you have that at the end of the half. It definitely held him, off. It, it was definitely a hold. No, there. Yeah, yeah, it's a no, tough he, call he for definitely sure. Him, but, but like, it was a good hold where, yeah. like, I I don't know how any um, I don't know how any referee would have seen that. Yeah, you're talking about the Rodgers pick, right? Yep, the Rodgers yeah. pick. Yeah. yeah, like it was definitely a hold, but it was a it was a good hold. Like it was one that refs don't often see. Yeah. Um, and, and it was I think pretty. Yeah, a lot of it depends on the crew too. I mean, that crew wasn't calling a lot of penalties. And, oh and then no. I think that's part of the part of the you know your problem with this is they called that one at the end of the game where it's yeah it was an obvious that he held them but they weren't calling those type of penalties all game exactly yeah it's like i i completely agree like it was it, it was a penalty um but it's not a you can't call that the entire game i mean it's 
like just like in like in basketball, you know, refs are very very hesitant to call any fouls in the past, in the last twenty seconds of the game. That's mm-hmm. that's one possession. Um, I mean, you basically have to punch a guy to get a foul called, and um, I think the NFL hasn't ever been like that. Um, I mean, there's plenty of examples over the past couple of years of of, of flags being thrown uh, um, in that sort of situation where where the flag being thrown or doesn't thrown uh, kind of decides the game, but um, I think you have to look at how that crew is calling calling the whole game, and um, but I mean, even besides that, I and mean, we had three straight interceptions off of Tom Brady that we turned into three points. I think um, oh, we yeah. we had two three and outs, and yeah. you you can't win a football game missing opportunities like that. I mean, it shouldn't have come down to um, it shouldn't have come down to the. The, the way that game ended and Tom Brady's going to get a ton of praise because he's Tom Brady and he loves his kids. Um, but he played terrible that second half. He played absolutely terrible that second half and the Buccaneers couldn't get a run going. They only scored one touchdown and that was because Aaron Jones has decided to get butterfingers uh, during the biggest game of the year. Um, and you give up um you give up 10 points in, in a half and you go in down, down a couple scores and you, you make a couple big stops and you can't pull it out. I mean, the, the, I think that one's on the offense. I mean, they just, they just couldn't get something going off of those three turnovers. And, um, and now, now Tom Brady has as many as NFC championships as, as breeze and, and Rogers do. Yeah. And just to, Touch on a couple of things you mentioned there. Uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Two two of the interceptions back to back were three and outs by by the Packers. But you just you can't have that when you have back to back. Was it really back to back to back? I thought there was a possession in there uh, between the the third. And um, it was it back wasn't. to back to back. The okay. the Patriots didn't punt the whole game. Yeah, or, but yeah, the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you go two three and outs after two Tom Brady turnovers. You just can't have that and expect to win the football game. And there's a bunch of decisions where you're just like, what were the Packers thinking at the end of that game, and what was Matt Lafleur thinking? And clearly, Aaron Rodgers in the post game presser, you heard him say that, oh, I would have ran that play differently on third down if I had known we weren't going for it on mm-hmm. fourth down. And so when you hear things like that. You just got to scratch your head and say, what were they doing? Were they trying to lose that football game? Because kicking a field goal mm-hmm. down eight is just not a good move when there's that little time remaining. Mm-hmm. I, I, at the time, I was pretty pissed, but I kind of settled down. Um, I do, I do agree with Rodgers. Like if, I, I feel like if Rodgers would have known that they were going to kick the field goal, depend if they didn't get any yards on fourth down, then he probably would have ran it on that third down. I don't think like everyone was seeing on Twitter, he would have scored that touchdown. I mean, he had two guys barreling down him. Like whenever you take those pictures, you can take a screenshot of of even like a wide open receiver, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story of of what's going on in the play. Um, I think the ultimately deciding to kick the field goal after trying three plays, not getting anything, knowing that you have to get the touchdown and the two point conversion. And um, I think I, there is some stats guy on 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 Twitter who pointed out that the win probability was actually higher. Uh, kicking the field goal and going for the stop, uh, especially considering that that we've done a great job of of ho- holding the run the whole game. Um, like I, yeah, I, in retrospect, I don't dis kicking the field goal. I do. I am mad about 
the miscommunication between the floor and Rogers yeah. of yeah. not letting him know. And, and, and I also think though, that um, just the, the way that game goes um, like, yes, the head coach is supposed to think um, like he's supposed to be thinking a play ahead, but um, I mean, it's with the green Bay Packers in the red zone, it's so rare that you have, three plays first and goal and you don't get any yard you don't you, right. you don't you don't have thorough completion um i just think it wasn't like not gaining any yards let alone scoring a touchdown i don't think was something that lafleur was thinking about and i think after seeing that defense um you know the defensive effort that the bucks had put up the whole game and um uh i just think on yeah on that fourth and eight from from the eight that I mean, I wasn't confident the Packers were going to be able to score. And even if you do score, you give, you have to get the two-point conversion, and then you give Brady two minutes to drive down and kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Yeah. So I think... I mean, uh, the way I see it is either way, you still need to get a stop, though. And I don't oh, know yeah. why you don't give Rodgers. I mean, that's what they were saying on the broadcast. That's what everybody in the media has been saying today. And maybe BG and Zach, you have some insight on this that we don't, but... To me, I mean, you got to get a stop either way. Why not give Rodgers one more down uh, to see if he can get in there and score? I'd heard that they played the numbers out. I don't know how in the world they calculate these things, but they had said 10%. It, it was a 10% chance of winning the game if they go for a touchdown. If they go for the touchdown, not score, just go for the touchdown. And it was a 9.5% chance of winning if they go for the field goal. Um, don't Again, I don't know how they come up with those numbers. Um, <laughs> And is that a big deal then if it, it, based on those numbers, I don't think it's a big deal either way you go for it. Um, without looking at those numbers, I thought it was a huge deal. They didn't go for it. And Brady, gee, you're on a different end of that one. I know. So you can explain your thought process, but I wasn't, yeah, we, were, I wasn't. we were watching the game together and I thought, Oh, they're going to kick a field goal. I didn't even think about them going for it for fourth and eight. Cause Andy, like you alluded to just within the 10, they could not move the ball one inch. Um, and at fourth and eight, you're, the odds on that are not likely. And even if you do get it from eight yards out, you still need to get that two-point conversion and stop Tom Brady from getting at least a field goal. So I thought, yeah, kick the field goal, stop the Bucks. You still have three timeouts left, and you have the two-minute warning, which actually ended up hurting the Packers that the Bucks still had the two-minute warning so they could pass on that first play of the drive. But you get a stop there, and then Rodgers, we obviously know Rodgers as Vikings fans, what he does in the fourth quarter and how he can win games in times where it just seems magical and just out of reach, and he finds a way. So I was okay with the decision at the time. I mean, I'm definitely okay looking in hindsight now as a Vikings fan, but I definitely didn't think it was out of the picture, and I thought it. you had to choose a tough decision either way. You had to make a tough decision either way. Um, and I guess just watching live, I was with Lafleur and would have done the same thing. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think I think the two most – underrated aspects of the game that people aren't enough people aren't talking about first off something no one's talking about is how much the Packers missed David Bakhtiari on that offensive line because um it was I mean Rodgers hasn't been the only other game that Rodgers has been pressured that much was the first time that the two teams played um and it was and it was coming off the left side um and Rodgers just couldn't he just didn't have time in the pocket to, to go through his progressions and, um, and, and that pocket collapsed. So the pocket collapsed so quickly and, and, and Rogers is really good scrambling out and, and making throws, um, outside the, uh, 
outside the lines. Um, but the way he does that is, um, I, I don't know how to best explain it, but it's almost like the, the, the offensive line breaks down in a way that allows Rodgers to get outside as opposed to just being complete pandemonium. So David Bakhtiari not being, you know, not being in that game definitely cost the Packers um, throughout the whole game. And then Aaron Jones getting injured. Yeah, he had the two fumbles, but he's one of those guys that, like, especially when you're on the two-minute drill, just having another option like him, um, you know, coming out of the backfield, catching passes, making plays in space. Um, him being out for that second half was uh, um, was pretty crucial. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point too about Bakhtiari because now this next the next matchup for the Bucks they're going to be uh, facing another team, the Chiefs, without their left tackle Eric Fisher, uh, who's who's done for the year now with a torn Achilles, I think it was. Yep, and so that just sets up tremendously uh, again for the Buccaneers in that pass rush and and all the the pressure they were going to put on Rodgers. If they can put that on Mahomes, who seems like he's unpressurable uh, from the first, you know, whatever couple years, but I mean, it, it opens up a big hole on that offensive line. And if the Bucks can exploit it like they did with the Packers, we could see a lot of the same. Oh yeah, yep. And it's, um, yeah, it's. I'm, I, 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 one part of me is at a loss for words, and another part of me is like full of all the words in the English language with all the ways I want to complain about this that game yesterday. It's uh, it's not a good way to live life. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you, Randy. Um, do you want to talk more pa- Packers Bucks, or uh, have have we kind of exhausted the uh, Packers Bucks I, um, for you? Uh, I I do. Um, uh, th- this was going to be my. Um, my what did I love from uh, from the weekend or whatever we're calling that segment, but I think uh, uh, because of its relevance, um, I'm, I'm going to bring it up now. But uh, Brandon Bostic, the uh, Packers uh, former Packers tight end, who in 2015 missed an onside kick against Seahawks in the NFC Championship game that the Packers ended up losing, mm-hmm. uh, he tweeted last night, "They still going to blame me." And T.J. Lang, former Packers offensive lineman, quote tweeted it saying, nah, I think they all actually tried to do their job. Like, just throwing the former teammate under the bus. Like, (laughs) what is it, six years later? Six years later, does not forget about that. Like, that keeps T.J. Lang up at night. Um, And that that was just, that made me smile last night, and I needed to (laughs) smile. Yeah. I'm happy for you, Randy. You got a good smile out of that. Um, all right, let's move on. Chiefs, Bills, little different story in this game. Bills got out to the early lead. Uh, Chiefs just too much to handle at the end of the day. But, you know, the Bills, they deserve some respect. I mean, they, they're they are close. They're not quite there, but they're very close to being a championship team. And this is, I think, fellas, is going to be a matchup we see in the AFC for a number of years to come. These two quarterbacks, these two teams facing off, which it could out, turn out to be a very good you know, rivalry between these two squads. Yeah, right now it looks like the Chiefs might go back to back to back to back to back Super Bowl appearances with the team they have. They're just so talented, and when you, it doesn't even matter who's on their defense, and they have a pretty good defense. But when you have Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, um, you can make the argument the number one um, player at each position: their quarterback, receiver, and tight end. I wouldn't make that argument, but you could definitely make it third. So hard to beat, which is obvious, but I think that 
the Bucks are going to have their hands full, even with a great defense like the Bucks have. Um, and they showed that defensive line that they can pressure teams. Just Mahomes is in a league of his own, and I'm I'm excited for the matchup. Uh, yeah, the Bills had a great game. I guess I kind of straight away from that right from the beginning. Bills had a, a good game. They have a great team. Um, I don't think they played to their potential or quite near their potential. Um, they definitely started out hot and then couldn't really get anything going um, for the rest of the game besides the the fourth quarter. But that, that's really hard when you go into Kansas City for the AFC championship game where obviously the Chiefs were last year and you bring in Josh Allen, a, a young quarterback who's obviously never been to that stage, their top receiver, Stefan Diggs, um, and, and their defense, who on paper was better than the Chiefs coming in, and it didn't seem like it this weekend, obviously, because you played the Chiefs. But, yeah, it's too bad. I, I was really rooting for the Bills, um, as I'm sure we all were. But, yeah, I, I do think that they have the foundations there with the quarterback, receiver, um, a good defense. If they could just add a few things more, like a quality, consistent running back, and maybe some more offensive weapons to go to. They're, they're going to be right in the picture year after year um, and hopefully become the team that can dethrone the Chiefs in the AFC. Yeah, and, and Tyreek Hill is still making everybody look like they're in slow motion. I mean, he is so fast. That, whatever, I think it was a slant route in the third quarter where he we just outran everybody. Uh, he didn't quite score, but got all the way down into, the, like, inside the 10. Or I mean, he just... He makes everybody else look like they're in slow motion when they're running, you know, plays after he, he you watch Tyreek Hill. I mean, he is so flipping fast. It's not even fair. Like they're saying a part of my take today. Like he, he needs to be like penalized for running that fast because there's just nobody that can keep up with him. No, there's not. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I thought my audio cut out there. I yeah, it mine did too. too. It sounded like mine because I heard like a weird noise as soon as I stopped. I thought like everybody had just <laughs> lost. That was, that was on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I thought my audio cut out too. Um, yeah. Fellas, any other go. thoughts on, on Chiefs Bills? <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to win the next 10, 10 Super Bowls. Yeah. And I think like there is, he is, he is so, he is so good. Like just his ability to like, I, I mean, we saw last year, like his ability to dig himself out of like a big deficit so quick. Um, I mean, it is, it is just crazy watching him. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's good to see a quarterback that's not named Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl at AFC. Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. I, I think that Eric Fisher news makes it very interesting, and the Chiefs opened up at three-and-a-half-point favorites. Only other two Super Bowl Tom Brady has been in. As an underdog, he's won. I think it was Seahawks, and I can't remember the first one. Uh, but he's 2-0 and as, as an underdog, and I think that sets up a lot of good, good storylines going into uh, the next two weeks here before we get up to that Super Bowl game. Uh, first home Super Bowl, I believe, right, folks? Yep. Yeah, it could have been us a couple of years ago, but yeah, yeah, first one. Yeah. If the Vikings don't flop in Philadelphia, it, it should have been BG. But yeah. Uh, yeah, first home Super Bowl, so that will be uh, fun to watch. A lot of storylines going into that one, and 
it'll be a good football game, fellas. Not always do you get, you know, probably the two best teams, but I think it is the two best teams. Sorry, Randy. Uh, and I think it'll be a great matchup. Yeah, and there'll be three golfers in the Super Bowl, which is awesome. Yep, absolutely. Um, all right, let's get to the Vinny Shahid interview. Uh, awesome, awesome interview with him. BG and I recorded it a couple nights ago, a couple mornings ago, actually, super early in the morning, uh, afternoon for uh, for Mr. Shahid over in Luxembourg. Let's get to that now. Here it is. Welcome on, former Hopkins and NDSU star point guard Vinny Shahid. And Vinny, it's great to have you on the show all the way from Luxembourg, uh, where you just signed a pro basketball contract. So, Vinny, let's start there. Congratulations on that. How long have you been in Luxembourg or Borg? Am I saying that right? And what's it like over yeah, there? You, you said it right. It's Luxembourg. Yeah, you said it right. <laughs> okay. But, um, okay. I've been out here. I've been out here since for roughly about a month and a half. I got out here. I think uh, December fourteenth, and um, so I've just been out here ever since then. And, and what's it kind of been like over there? I mean, it's a small European country in the middle of, I think, Belgium, France, and, and Germany, right? Kind of just with all those countries around you. Yeah, it's weird. I'm I'm pretty much like thirty minutes from everything. Like if you drive um, thirty minutes uh, east, I can go to Germany. If I drive thirty minutes south, I can be in France. Um, it's weird, you know, um, it's a little different than, than being in America, but you know, I'm enjoying the experience a lot and, um, it's been a pretty cool adventurous thing for me to be able to get out and explore some things that I've never seen before. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, do you, do you know what language they speak in Luxembourg? Oh, it's crazy. They speak like four languages. They speak, they have their own language, what they call Luxembourgish. They speak Germany, they speak French, and they speak Portuguese, and then they also speak English. So Wow. Jeez. Yeah, I guess because yeah, they're crazy. so close to everything, they got to speak what the, the locals around them speak. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's so very cool. What do you do when you, like, go out to the store or go out to restaurants and stuff? Or maybe that maybe restaurants aren't open with COVID, but are you able to communicate with the locals pretty easily, and have you had any interactions there yet? Uh, You know, I struggled a little bit when I first got here. Um, but, you know, a lot of, like, most of the people here know English. Um, it may not be, like, very well spoken English, but they know enough words that we can get around uh, barriers and stuff like that. So usually when I go out to places, I just tell them, like, yo, I speak English. I, I don't know how to speak <laughs> French or German or anything like that. And they, mm-hmm. they cooperate pretty well. So I've had a pretty easy time with the language barrier. Gotcha. And have you had a chance to, well, I'm sure you have had a chance to try their food, but would you say it's significantly better than U.S. food, either if it's Luxembourg food or the German food that you're trying or the French food out there? Just how's the food situation for you? Uh, I say, I say like the quality of the food when you go out to a restaurant is probably a little higher than it is in uh, America. Um, but, you know, there are things here that they have that are better than what they have in America. But then also, you know, there's nothing never wrong with, getting some good American food or some Chipotle or something like that. I'm definitely missing <laughs> those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, get, getting back to basketball now. So you're, you're, you're team in Luxembourg. When, when does that season start and how many games are scheduled as of now? Cause if COVID COVID is impacting things out there, as I'm sure it is, man. So it's, it's really weird. I'm, I'm going to break it down for you. So it's really weird. So, before I got out here, they had actually already started their season. They had uh, they were four games into their season, 
and they put a, a pause to their season. And so when I got out here, everything was really on lockdown and we weren't able to get into gyms or anything like that. So I pretty much spent the first um, month or so doing nothing. Like I was literally in my room <laughs> playing video games all the whole month. But um, we really, we, we just recently started back up two weeks ago. And um, the plan is we have a, what they call a friendly game, which is pretty much like an exhibition. It doesn't really matter. Um, we have one of those on the seventh or the sixth of February, and then we will continue the season. So I think, I think it's like they have like eighteen games left. We have like eighteen games left in the in the season. We're just pretty much going to pick up um, where they left off when they canceled the season. And so I think that game um, is on the eleventh of February or the twelfth of February. Um, but you know, with COVID going on, they are so like, they're so like unorganized and they schedule things last minute and they reschedule things last minute. And so, um, you never really know. Um, so pretty much, I think we're going to do a a 18 game season. Um, and then after that playoffs, um, and they change the playoffs a little bit, the playoffs are going to be. Only six teams make it. Usually eight teams make the playoffs, but only six teams make it now. Mm-hmm. And um, usually they do best of five, but they're now doing best of three. So everything okay. changes a little bit with COVID, but um, I'm honestly just grateful to be able to still play. Yeah, for sure. I feel the same way um, having my men's league team come back up after we had a couple months off for COVID. But Shut up, I know it's on a much larger scale for you. But um, I've, I've got I've got two questions for you. One, as we've seen in some college basketball over here in the U.S., some teams have to wear a mask. And I know just um, Europe got hit really hard and how they're governed is different from us. So do you have to wear masks in that league while you play? And then the second question are you playing just Luxembourg teams or teams in Germany, French, and just the surrounding countries around you? Yeah, so, um, no, we don't have to have a mask when we play, thank- thankfully, <laughs> Good, um, yeah. because I know that sucks. I've actually had to do that while I was in the U.S., and it sucked. But uh, we don't have to wear a mask, and then um, we basically play just Luxembourg teams, Um until after playoffs. So let's say we win the playoffs or whatever. That means we qualify for the cup, uh, for the Euro Cup. And then once we get to the Euro Cup, that will be when we start playing the teams from France, the teams from Germany, the teams from all over the place. Um, but actually, when we play these exhibition games coming up or the one exhibition game coming up, we actually are allowed to play teams from uh, like France, Germany, and stuff like that. But Teams are so scared to, you know, like cross the borders of countries because they COVID and they don't know who has it and who does what. And so um, they try to keep it as close and limited as possible. So um, there's nine teams in my league, and I, I think those nine teams are pretty much the only teams we're going to be playing this year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, what's it kind of been like practicing with this team? I mean – your first time ever playing on, on a team outside of the United States, at least I imagine. Is it mostly uh, European guys? Is it mostly, I mean, probably not mostly Americans. I remember when we were talking to Reggie Lynch, he said uh, he was playing in a different league, but they could only have like two or three Americans on the team, and that was it. So what what's kind of your roster like, and how are some of your teammates? 
Yeah, it's weird. Um, Reggie Reggie said it perfectly. Um, you know, they, they put a limit. Usually you can have, um, in this league, usually you can have four Americans. Um, but with COVID, they cut it down to two. And so there's me and there's another American um, who's from New York. And then um, other than that, like, it's a bunch of European guys. Like, I have a Serbian guy on my team. I have a guy from Belgium on my team. Um, there's, like, five or six guys that are from Luxembourg. Um, there's a, a couple people from Germany. So it's pretty much just, like, European guys and then me and the other American. Um, but it's been cool. You know, it, it, it's definitely an experience. Um, uh, they definitely have a different kind of style of play that I'm used to. Um, but, you know, we gel pretty well, and uh, I was able to adjust pretty fast. So uh, it's been pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Practicing and playing with um, guys from Europe and uh, having a whole new team than I had a year ago, is it, it's been pretty fun for me, and I, and I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's fun to play with different guys around the world like you said I'm, I'm sure that's just a really cool experience um at 22 or 23 however old however old you are and uh just to see the different basketball styles that come from europe we obviously see that in the nba um when european players and just overseas players uh, come to the nba they're just trained differently and when we talked to reggie he said that his coach um is just completely different from all the other coaches he had and the styles he coached with. Would you say that about your coach you have now? And is he from Luxembourg or what's his story? So my coach right now is actually from the UK. Um, he's from the United Kingdom. And I would say uh, the way they go about things are a lot different than coaches in America go about things. Um, but I actually, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually blessed um, to have him as a coach because he runs things pretty much the same exact way my coach at NDSU ran things. And so, um, like, a lot of the sets we run are similar. The type of defense we play is similar. Um, the the pace of the offense is similar. Um, and so, like, it, 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 was, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty cool that I got to end up in this system because it was the same as my college system. But, um, you know, he's a – He's a pretty straightforward guy. Um, you know, he doesn't joke around a lot. Um, um, European guy, I, I don't know. A lot of people say European guys or European coaches are a lot meaner. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily see it that way. I kind of see it as they kind of just are more straightforward and more about business, um, which I understand because at the end of the day, if they don't win games, uh, they don't have a job. So, right. yeah. Um, but, you know, it. it it's – it's pretty different, though. I, I can agree with Reggie. It's a little bit different than, than American coaches that I've had in the past. Yeah, just a little more. They're just a little more strict or a little more military-like, I guess, is, is kind of how That's Reggie, true. Reggie told us, at least. But uh, That's true. Let, let's transition into a little bit of NDSU hoops. You played two seasons there. I think you were the second. What, what was the stat, BG, the second fastest to reach 1,000 points? Uh, yeah, I think second in NDSU history to reach 1,000 points over the span of two seasons. Yeah, you took your team to, to two straight March Madness, or it would have been two straight had COVID not canceled that tournament. Let's start there. What was it like after you win the MVP in the Summit League tournament and you win the title in the Summit League, you get an automatic berth to the big dance, and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. COVID cancels the tournament. I imagine that was just absolutely devastating with all the time and the work you, you put in to get to that point. 
Yeah, it was hard. It was it was very hard. It, it was, and and the worst part about it is I kind of had an idea um, that after we won, um, shortly after we won, probably about an hour or two after we won, I kind of had an idea that it was going to happen. Um, just because all of the Power Five conference tournaments started to get canceled, and once those Power Five schools start canceling things, they pretty much have say within the NCAA with what goes on. And if those power five schools aren't, aren't playing, then they're not going to have any kind of tournament because those are what, those are really the teams people want to see play. So, um, but you know, it was devastating. Um, those guys, including myself, but those guys worked so hard and that team was so special and it would, it would have been a, it would have been a really good experience because we would have had a higher seed going into going into March Madness this year because we had a better record and we won some big games. And so it sucks because you never know. Like, it's one of those things like, what if we would have been able to play and what really would have happened? But um, I think I think that happening definitely helped me grow as a player a little bit and helped me mature mentally a lot. Yeah, yeah. One thing we've got to talk about in your NDSU career um, is the game on March 22nd. 2019, and I don't know if that date means anything to you, but that's the date um, when you and the number 16 ranked NDSU team played the number one ranked Duke um, in the first round of March Madness, possibly the best Duke team we've all seen in our lifetime with R.J. Barrett, Zion, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones. Um, It was a four-point game at halftime. You guys were giving it to them, and you had 20 points that game against Duke. Can you just talk about that game and what that experience was like playing against those guys and playing against the March Madness tournament? Because from a bystander, it was just great to see a guy like you represent Minnesota against the top dogs and go out there and ball. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely an experience, uh, to say the least. Like, It's definitely one of those things that you don't realize what's going on until after it's over. Like, I I didn't really understand how fast everything was going because, well, let's just fast forward to before that game. Before that game, we played in the first four. Um, two days before that game, we played in the first four, which was in Dayton, Ohio. And so we ended up winning that game. Um, I think the game finished at like 10 p.m. or it was close to 11 by the time we got out of the gym. And we hopped right on a flight, and we hopped right on a flight to – South Carolina, I think it was we played. I think we played in South Carolina. Um, and then we woke up the next morning, had shoot around, and the next day we were playing Duke, the number one team, like you <laughs> said. And um just the like walking around. Yeah, the turnaround was crazy. And it's just like just walking around the hotels and walking around the uh, the facilities and seeing all these coaches that you see on TV and um seeing all these seeing the March Madness stuff and getting handed out the March Madness stuff and getting the treatment and stuff like that. It was crazy. It's, it was one thing I had never had before. And it was something that I think every kid who plays basketball dreams about. And so having that, having that opportunity was, was crazy uh, to me and, and my teammates, but the game, you know, the game, um, it was, it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, because I, used to be teammates with Trey Jones when we were younger. And mm-hmm. so, like, in order to be able to be teammates with somebody and then get to play on them or play against them um, 
on what some people call the highest level or biggest stage of college basketball, it was an amazing feeling. And, um, you know, my mom was there, Trey's mom was there. So we got to share that moment all together. Um, but really like once the clock hit 20 and, and, they, and the ball went up for jump ball at the end of the day for me, like it's always playing basketball and I'm a high level competitor and I really don't care who's in front of me. Like, uh, I want to go out there and win every night. And so you could kind of see that a little bit in the first half. Um, but man, that team's really good. Let me just tell you, they <laughs> yeah. came out of, they came out of the second half and it's almost like they hit like a, a switch or coach K pushed a button. And then those guys just, those guys just started hooping. Yeah. Do you think, but, do you think coach K might've faked a back injury at halftime to get his team going? That's kind of, that's kind of his signature <laughs> I don't move. Know, I don't know if it's that he faked the back injury or he went into the locker room and cussed all of them out. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit of both, honestly, yep. but um, those guys definitely showed why they were the number one team in, in the, in the country that year. And, um, you know, I honestly like us being close with them in the first half doesn't surprise me because we played the number one team in the country that year when Gonzaga was the number one team in the country. And so we mm. kind of had a little bit, we kind of had a little taste of what it was like to play the number one team in the country and the expectations and what needs to be done in order to, you know, at least compete with them. And, um, you know, we gave it all we got, we had in the first half and, uh, things just didn't go our way. Our legs got tired. Guys, you know, we had that quick turnaround. We had never played back-to-backs like that, especially against good teams. Um, and so it was a learning experience, and that's kind of why this year sucked because we had that experience and we knew what to expect going into it. Um, and we had all the same guys back, and so that's kind of why COVID knocking the tournament out this year kind of sucked a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it just it sounds like a surreal experience, which I'm sure you would agree with. And you definitely hit the you hit the head on the nail when you said it's every guy's every basketball player's dream uh, to be one in March Madness and to take on the top guys and be that potential Cinderella story. Um, and it, like like I said, it's such a surreal moment during that game. Was everything moving too fast for you to realize I'm going up against the number one pick in the draft? I'm going up against R.J. Barrett. I'm yeah, like it was on Duke or is it just, <laughs> okay, let's, let's do this one possession at a time. You know, it's kind of one of those things where, it, and it's, it's crazy because it was almost like a home game for them. Um, the whole arena, it, it almost, I'm pretty sure it was a sold out arena and it was just blue. It was just like a ocean. And then it was crazy. Every time they, every time they even touched the ball, the, the whole gym went crazy. And so it was one of those things where, we got momentum early and I kind of try to tell my guys like, look, we have to try to keep this momentum going and like, we can't let them go on runs because um, the smallest thing might happen in the whole gym is going to go crazy. And so we can't really pay attention to that, but we kind of just got to, like you said, we kind of just got to take it one possession at a time. And um, when you're playing an athletic team like that, you want to kind of try to limit the possessions and not let them get out in transition and stuff like that. And so, the one possession by the time thing was huge for us um, in that game specifically. Yeah, and and just to back up even further, you went to a couple. I think a, what was it, Western Nebraska for two years after Hopkins before you went to NDSU. And maybe it was a point there, a point at NDSU. But 
you know, you, you, you got to those huge games and now you're playing professional basketball. Was there a moment in time where you knew like, okay, I'm going to be really good at basketball or I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And was there kind of one moment maybe in that Duke game, maybe before that Duke game uh, where it just kind of all started to click and you just felt like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, um, it kind of just goes back to, like you said, it goes back to Western Nebraska and sometimes maybe even a little before Western Nebraska. Um, I knew that I, I understood that um, in order to get to what I wanted to get to, which was playing professional basketball, is I had to put a lot of work in. And I understood that. And I understood that nothing worth having is easy. And so, um, you know, I would talk about it with my junior college coach all the time. Like, I want to be a pro. And he used to tell me, well, you have to have habits of a pro. Um, and so uh, we kind of just tried to build those habits early. Um, I used to, in Western Nebraska, I used to go to the gym. And I kid you not, I used to go to the gym three times a day. I'd wake up at 6 in the morning. I'd work out. Um, we'd have our classes. Um, I'd come back before practice early to shoot before practice. Uh, we'd have practice. And then at night, um, once everything, probably at like 8 after I've eaten dinner or gotten settled in or whatever, I'd go back to the gym and I'd get another workout in. And I kind of just made that my habit my habit and my routine. Um, and I could just kind of see myself getting better practice after practice and game after game. Um, and so I understood that if I continue to do that, I would eventually become really, really good. And um, it was tough because when I got to NDSU, um, my first year at the beginning of the year, I kind of struggled a little bit um, just because the pace was different and I'm playing against higher level athletes and it was just, everything was moving a little too fast for me. And I called my junior college coach and he, and he asked me, the first thing he asked me was, all right, well, do you still have your habits of a pro? And when he told me that, I was like, well, that's, uh, that's, that's true. I can't just leave what got me here um, behind me. I have to take it with me. And so I started doing it at NDSU too. Um, and once I started doing that at NDSU, um, the game kind of slowed down for me. And I could kind of feel that, like, my IQ and my feel for the game was a lot better than a lot of other people. And so I would say, honestly, um, and Juco is kind of where I noticed it, um, was just with with working hard and um, seeing the results that, that comes out of working hard, um, I knew that I could do something special with the game. Yeah, and, and- – <clears throat> just, just, uh, I mean, my kind of thought going into that question was you were going to say kind of, kind of junior college because Brady and I both played basketball in the late conference for Minnetonka and Wyzetta. So we, you know, we played against you and watched you play and, and have seen you play. And there was a huge transition. I mean, you were a good high school player, don't get me wrong, but from high school into that NDSU level player a few years later, there was a big jump in my mind. You were you know, slimmer, you were stronger, you were faster, you were quicker, you could shoot better, you could finish at the hoop better, your mid-range game was there, and there was just a total transformation, it seemed like, almost, where you just became this complete basketball player, and it was really cool to see, and, you know, to not see you for a couple of years, and then see you pop up at NDSU and have the tremendous amount of success you did in just two short seasons there, it was, you know, that's, that's fun to watch, and it's fun to see guys from the Lake Conference, guys from Minnesota, who maybe didn't get much attention out of high school or maybe as much as they would have wanted do big things on, on the national level and that just seems to be happening more and more with Minnesota Hoopers these days 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, and you said it like um, there was a lot of things going into junior college that I understood that in order to be a good basketball player, um, I had to do. And like you said, I was a lot slimmer um, and I got a lot quicker, a lot stronger. Um, that was honestly the biggest thing going into junior college or the reason I felt I had to go to junior college was because um, my body wasn't necessarily um, division one ready or college basketball ready. And I understood that going into it and, um, it, it is good. You know, I, I tell kids all the time, like, um, what you do in high school honestly doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to some, to some extent because you need high school basketball to get you to other places. But, um, at the end of the day, like if you really want something, you can, you can get it as long as you work for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Um, and it sounds like you got a great foundation starting at um, your JUCO, Western Nebraska, before we went to NDSU. And you certainly had a great foundation for a high school team, Hopkins High School. So let's go back there, take it one step back earlier, and just talk about that for a little bit. You played at Hopkins, obviously. Um, I read on the NDSU profile bio of you that you lost eight times in high school, uh, which is, <laughs> is pretty cr- pretty crazy uh mm-hmm. sets up a winning culture for you um you won the state championship in 2016 i believe is that right Vinny? yes uh 2016 2014 we came up short we lost to jp mccara yeah. um we had one loss that year as well as one loss the year that we won and then um 2015 we lost the first round of i, I think we lost the first round of state um, which we had six losses that year. And it's crazy. You probably think I'm crazy for remembering this, but I really <laughs> um, I really only remember losses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I certainly understand that. And on my end, I, I definitely understand losses too, but also wins like that 2016 season when Hopkins went 31-1 and and their only loss was to my YZ team. So I'll just have to put that on the podcast. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) First time beating Hopkins in 26 years, which is honestly embarrassing to even say out loud. But you know, what's you know, what's crazy. I honestly think that year, I honestly think, um, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah. My bad. My phone went up. I honestly believe, I honestly believe that that year, um, started a rivalry between YZ and Hopkins. If we're yeah. gonna be completely honest, for sure, because you, you I see think, the games, yeah. I've I've been watching like um, a lot of their past games now, and it seems like there's a huge like the rivalry in the conference for me was always either Eden Prairie or Minnetonka, but I think after that year, I think Hopkins, well, Novak's biggest competition is Wazetta every year now. Mm. So yeah, for sure with yeah Schnettler. As a coach at YZ, he's a phenomenal coach. And I think my recruit or my class that went through same class as yours just changed the culture for YZ basketball. And, yeah, you look at the Hopkins YZ games um, from after we graduated, and they're always so close. Like they just played the other night. Hopkins won by six points. There's always great games. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely with you. And there's been there's been so many players to come out of Hopkins, obviously. who Who is the best player that you ever got to play with, would you say? Ooh, uh, it's tough. Um, if we're going off of if we're going off of like status and where they are right now, um, 
it would obviously have to be Amir because Amir's in the league. Um, But, you know, I've played with, I've played with, I've played with so many good guys and and just at pickup games and open gyms and stuff like that. Like I've played with guys like Royce White, um, Siani Mm -hmm. Chambers, Trent Lockett, Raymond Kyles. Um, um, who else? Um, uh, Kerwin, Kerwin Walton. He's a young guy at, at North Carolina yep. right now. Yep. Zeke Naji. He's in the league right now. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like the, the, the sort of like kind of family that Hopkins basketball is and, um, the opportunity that all those young guys get at those open gyms to play with us pros. Um, and I kind of think that's why Hopkins basketball is so good. Um, just because they get the opportunity to play against, um, so much competition in the summer that they learn so much. And when they get to the high school level, it's kind of not as, not as hard as it is when they play in the summertime, but I've played with so many great people. If, if we're talking about then, and, uh, I'd probably have to say, um, probably Royce. Royce is probably the best player I've played with. Um, just because the dude is literally like LeBron. I mean, he's six, <laughs> he's six, nine, he's like two fifty. And if he wants to score the ball every time he can, um, but if he if he wants to get his teammates involved, he can as well. And so um sucks that he's not playing anymore right now, but um when he was at his peak, that was probably the best player I've probably ever played with. Yeah. Yeah. He was a monster yeah. at Iowa State. Just absolutely Man. monster. <laughs> he could do it. Crazy all. thing is the crazy thing is he can still play like that. <laughs> like really? he play he co- he goes up to the, the open gyms in the summer. And he looks out of shape, and he looks like he can't really play anymore, but he still moves the same. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I bet. When, when you got that kind of level and athleticism and talent, it doesn't just go away. I mean, he, he was an incredible player. What Kind of explain to people who don't have any idea what a Hopkins Open Gym is like. Um, I went to Tonka, and so I, I played under Tom Dasvich for a number of years, and he tried to kind of simulate what you guys do at Hopkins by bringing in a bunch of his former players to try to get the atmosphere riled up and hostile almost at the Minnetonka open gyms, but, but kind of explain what a Hopkins open gym is like and what the intensity uh, is like at one of those. Man, It's uh, it's, it's probably um, some of the highest level basketball you'll see around Minnesota in the summertime. Um, I mean, every day. Uh, so it's a Monday through Friday thing. Um, and, when you go in there, it's a, there's about, um, and I can't make this up. <laughs> there's about 15 to 25 pros, uh, just pros and not, not wow. including division one college basketball players or high school kids who are really good. There's about 15 to 20 pros. And, um, basically what happens is you have to show up early, um, in order to get on the court. And if you don't show up early to get on the court, um, you're either going to be waiting all day or um, you're probably not going to get to play. And so um, you show up early. Um, there's usually about two to three courts running. Um, and then the, the hardest part is you got to try to stay on the winner's court because if you lose, you have to go all the way to the, the first court. Mm-hmm. And you have to win your way back to the winning court. And if you think about that, like with 15 to 25 pros, that's hard to do. Yeah. And so the level of competitiveness is always high. And Novak does a good job of bringing the right people in. I mean, like, there was one time this summer I went up. Uh, I'm just going to name some names. I mean, 
Trey Jones, Tyus Jones, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Jordan Taylor, Royce White, Tiani Chambers, Amir Coffey. Um, who else? Who else? Are some? Um, I mean, just um, right there is incredible. George, George, like, uh, what's what's the guy's name? Cole Aldridge. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's like he gets a good. He does a good job of getting um, guys who want to compete. Guys who are really high level guys and um, and. It's it's a really good atmosphere to be in if you want to get better or learn about the game of basketball. Just saying those names that you did um, kind of segues into our next question. And Brady and I on our show, we talk about it so much, how Minnesota hoops is really up and coming, especially the last, I don't know, eight years, really since Tyus Jones um, and Quentin Hooker exploded out of the Minnesota scene and we can see it in college basketball almost everywhere you look and now in the NBA and now overseas like yourself and Reggie and we talk about it so much how Minnesota is such an underrated basketball um, state and we think football too but definitely basketball right now with just the players that are that we're producing the Duke pipeline seems like there's a guy going there every year a guy who's going to be top five high school recruit like Jalen Suggs, like Chet Holmgren right now. What, what do you say about Minnesota basketball? Because I'm sure that um, playing against those guys like Duke and playing overseas, nobody really thinks about Minnesota basketball. But I know that we have pride as Hoopers from Minnesota where we come, and we're really, really up and coming as a basketball state. Man, um, like you, you just said it. Um I, I kind of noticed it when I was at NDSU a little bit. Um, I used to talk about because I had a lot of Minnesota teammates from NDSU as well. Yeah. And we used to talk about it all the time. Like, Minnesota basketball is – Minnesota is, is slowly but surely becoming a basketball state. Um, if you look around the NCAA, um, any, any guy that's playing on any team is impacting their team anyway. Um, I mean, you look at – like you said, you look at you got Matt uh, Matt Hurt at Duke, you got Kerwin at North Carolina, you got McKinley at Colorado, you got David Roddy at Colorado State. You got like you can look around the the NCAA and see that um, Minnesota guys have an impact on every school that they go to. And then you said it even bigger. You start looking at the league. There's a lot more guys in the league now from Minnesota. You got. Uh, Mira in LA, you got Tyus in Memphis, you got Trey in San Antonio, you got um, Tyrell Terry in Dallas, you got Zeke in Denver. And so like um I think that I think that the level of play in Minnesota is just continually, continually to get better. And if we're gonna be completely honest, I think the level of play in Minnesota has always been high. I think we're just now getting a little spotlight on it, if we're gonna be completely honest. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Our exposure has grown significantly with some of the top heavy guys that Minnesota's produced. Um, so when I say Tyus Jones, obviously, I don't know if he was rated the number one point guard, but it's either one or two. And when we have that kind of exposure, then it starts to open up the gates for those McKinley Wrights, those guys who are phenomenal players. And if they went and played out on the East Coast, then they for sure would have been a, a higher yeah. recruit just because of the whole Minnesota scene. But yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it's also it's also very um it's also very um what's the word? It's very intriguing to see how many how many pros Minnesota is starting to produce as well. 
Um, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really pay attention much when I was younger in high school of how many pros Minnesota had. But I, I definitely started to get aware of it um, the older I got and the more I wanted to pursue it myself of how many pros Minnesota actually has. And so uh, even on the even like not even just basketball, even football. I mean, um, there's a lot more Minnesota guys in the league right now than I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked about that a lot recently, whether it's Minnesota guys or Gophers guys that are in the league, like Antoine Winfield, Tyler Johnson, Carter Coughlin, Blake Cashman, um, Rashad right. Bateman Kamal is obviously Martin. from Georgia. Yeah. Right. yeah Kamal Martin. It's, it's great to see because the talent's here, but it's now just getting the exposure that other traditional basketball, traditional football States get um, when the talent in Minnesota is clearly there. And it's just exciting to see, uh, as I'm sure it is for you, some of the guys we know and some of the guys we play against playing in the NBA, playing in the NFL, watching them on a Sunday, watching them play against LeBron. It's it's pretty cool to see. And, I mean, it's pretty cool for us uh, to see you, a guy we've played against all our lives growing up against playing Hopkins, um, playing Amir Coffey. To see you uh, play professional ball overseas is really cool for us. I appreciate that. I really do. Absolutely. Just a few more questions here, Vinny, and then we'll let you get after it. I'm sure you got to work out or something this afternoon you got to get to. Uh, so just a couple of random questions. Uh, do you have a signature move? Is there like a signature move on the basketball court that you're like, all right, it, it, that's what I'm going to? Or if the game's, you know, single single point game, you know, five seconds left, what, do you, what are you going with? Uh, I'm more of a just take whatever you give me type of guy. Um, I like I'm a read and react. I make a lot of reads, um, and my reaction times are, 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 I would say, pretty good. And so I'm more of a read and react kind of guy, and I like to take whatever the defense gives me, to be completely honest. Yeah, good answer. Good answer. Don't want to pigeon, pigeonhole yourself there. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a Timberwolves fan? Uh, you know. I know it's hard uh, to be right now. It's so hard to be. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> it always seems they're not doing – you know what? I'm, I'm proud of what they did in the draft this year. This is probably the first year they've, I thought, did the right thing in the draft. Me too. But I um, I don't know. They, they, they've they been struggling a lot. Um, and I would hate to sit here and say that, oh, I'm a Minnesota guy and I don't like the Timberwolves because I always want to see them do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you said, it's hard to it's hard to be a Timberwolves fan right now. It really is. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. All right, who is your favorite professional sports team then? If it's maybe not the T Wolves. Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question. I um, I I I usually don't have um, I usually don't have like favorite teams. I usually just have uh, some players that I like watching and following, and usually wherever those players go, um, is where I usually root for or, or whatever, but um, I don't know, man. It's tough this year. Um, I hate to jump on the little bandwagon, but I don't see anybody beating L.A. in the in the, in the the finals this year, man. All right. I don't. <laughs> All right. One of our one of our longtime listeners, Ben Boone, is is loving you right now for saying that. Absolutely. My guy, Ben. Hold on. That's my guy, Ben. You know him? <laughs> <laughs> yep. A Dinah native. <laughs> yep. 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 He's, uh, he's having a fit so, right now. Yeah. Um. If you So if you don't necessarily follow a team, then what players do you follow, like you said? 
uh like i i try to follow guys you know that i see myself playing similar as or um that i just like their playing style and i'm just gonna list like three or four guys um uh damian lillard um i definitely um i love dame um James Harden. I'm a James Harden guy. I know everybody is hating on James Harden right now because of what he <laughs> did, but I'm definitely a James Harden guy. Um, and then I got some like some different ones for you guys too. Um, okay. Um, Chris Paul. Um, I love Chris Paul. He's a smaller guard, and um, I can take a lot of things and learn a lot of things from him um, just as a point guard. And then um, – they're together right now, so it's, it's easy for me. But Devin Booker, uh, mm-hmm. I think Devin Booker um, is one of the better one of the better shooting guards in the league. Um, he just continues, and he keeps he continuously keeps growing as a player um, and expanding his game. And I like, like I said, I told you earlier, um, you can tell what guys work hard on their game and work hard on their craft. And I can tell he puts a lot of time in just by how his game continuously grows. And so I can always have a I can always have an appreciation for a guy like that. So yeah, yeah. Devin Booker's just well, they're all fun to watch, but Devin Booker's just so smooth with how he does everything, his moves, and obviously the shot. He is he's going to be a great player. He already is a great player, but yeah, he's fun to watch. Okay, Vinny, I think this is our last question for you. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble because I don't know your lady situation, but <laughs> are there beautiful women in Luxembourg? Nah, I'm not even looking at them. I'm not going to lie to you. You're trying to get me in trouble, man. You're trying to get me in trouble. Last hour of the podcast, last question. Just trying to sneak one in there on you. Hey, you're trying to get me in trouble, man. You're going to have me You gonna have me on a phone call in a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. no, good answer, then. Good answer. Yeah, good answer. No, no women. There's actually, it's, it's surprising. There's not a single woman in the whole country. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> exactly. There's one in my eyes. There we go. There you go. Well, Vinny, thanks for your time. Go follow him on Instagram. It's at VinVin, so V-I-N dot V-I-N zero. I think that's a zero, right, Vinny? Yes, sir. That's it. Yeah. Go find him out on there. Watch his basketball highlights. He's got some good stuff on there. Uh, Vinny, thank you so much. Good luck the rest of this season, and uh, keep balling out in Luxembourg. Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. And a special thanks to Vinny for calling in and, and making the, the time changes work. Uh, BG it was a bit of a, a bit of a trick to get it, to get it scheduled, but able to get it scheduled early in the morning for us here. And uh, Vinny was awesome. I mean, he he really expands on his answers, which is very much appreciated out of a guest because you know you ask him simple questions and he just kind of expands it onto to bigger and better things. So. Good luck to Vinny the rest of the season. I hope they get in in all their games and uh, hope he does well, keeps balling like he has been uh, at NDSU. All right, fellas, let's move on to best thing I saw all week. We'll wrap the episode with this. Uh, BG, let's start with you. Yeah, I'll start. Um, Andy mentioned one of them, and I mentioned the other. And they're good things that I saw, not crazy good or anything. But the first best thing I saw this week was what Andy alluded to earlier that now Tom Brady has the same amount of NSC championship uh, game titles as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, And we love that for obvious reasons as a Vikings fan, because it's the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the saints, which are, if you're a Vikings fan, you're probably at least two favorite teams in the league. Uh, so that's just a good stat to refer to when Packers fans are talking shit. Second one is the super bowl. Now 
Uh, there's going to be three Gophers in the Super Bowl, like I said. Can't name a time that that's happened before. With Winfield, uh, Tyler Johnson, and then Damian Wilson for the Chiefs, their linebacker, um, which is sweet. And then that just made me think of something, too. Number three best thing I saw, the third best thing, is that, and I know, Randy, I'm kind of giving the Packers a hard time here and don't want to do that for too much longer, so... I'll just do it for about 10 seconds longer. Um, Tyler Johnson, the gopher, got that penalty call um, in the Bucks game to ultimately give the Buccaneers a win, which is just sweet, sweet feelings for us as Gophers fans. Totally. Um, and that's all I got. Yeah, and one thing on that, Big Cat said today uh, on part of my take that Tyler Johnson flopped to get that call. Absolutely, did he, he did not flop. He was definitely grabbed, and it was just – if they if he hadn't grabbed that undershirt that stretched so far out, I don't know if they make that call. If he's in on the jersey like like that other interception that Aaron Rodgers threw, if it's a tight one like that, I could see where they missed the call or not call it, just let it go. But but the way he grabbed that jersey, I I, I didn't see any flop there at all. So I, I just had to say that. Yeah, there felt like there was a lot of content for that. Along the, uh, that, that was a for sure penalty, and regardless of whether or not they were calling it all game, it doesn't really matter. Um, that was a that was a legit penalty. I'll take that one to the bank. Andy, he got something to say. <laughs> Bill, I want you to go to downtown Minneapolis and just go to a random person behind them and and tug on their their t shirt and see if they flail their arms arms like uh like Tyler Johnson did. Actually, maybe not downtown Minneapolis. Well, he didn't really. It wasn't like he was <laughs> flailing like, his arms. Like he, his feet got kind of tripped up, and then he started flailing his arms to kind of show, like, "Hey, I got tripped up." But like, yeah, the was show, he maybe yeah. enhancing yeah. the call? Yeah, but did he flop to get that call? No, absolutely. That was not a flop. He he was definitely held, and that's what caused his feet to trip mm-hmm. up, which in turn caused his hands to kind of flail because, hey, I got held. I mean, I, I don't know how you 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 would say that's a flop. It was. Th- I'm not saying it was a complete flop, but there was some performance. There was a little bit of a, a theatrics involved in that. Yeah, as as any good uh, receiver would have. We're, we're fully behind Tyler Johnson here. That was, it, it was a call that pod, should have Tyler been called. Johnson. Yeah, well, he's not quite future a friend of the friend. pod, future friend. We've been trying to get him on the show. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's he right. will be a future friend. We've had we've had some of his teammates like Seth Green and Rashad Bateman, but. Uh, Tyler Johnson is has been an elusive guest to the Wake and Take podcast uh, so far. If, but if you're listening right now, you did not flop, and you 100% deserve that call. And we'll talk about it with you over the phone. Yeah, we'd love to talk about it. All right, best thing I saw all week. Let's wrap it up, Andy. What do you got? Um, well, I had um, originally I was going to say Dickie V's uh, six pictures he tweeted. Um, with him and Pepto Bismol yep. looking like yep. he was like just showing the weirdest facial expressions. But uh, to top that, I think I'm gonna have to say Stefan Diggs just absolutely loving life away from Minnesota, loving life in Buffalo, like yeah. just having the time of his life not being associated with the Minnesota Vikings. That made me happy this weekend. Yeah, thanks. He got just as far as we did. Uh, thanks for finding a way no, to uh... no father. To, no to stick to Minnesota Vikings in, in, a, in a podcast where they're very, very much not relevant, but uh, good, good work on finding a way to get us, Randy. Zachary, best thing you saw all week? Um, go for hockey. Uh, we hadn't scored 10 goals in a game since 04, and we did it twice this weekend. Um, Thursday, Friday. It was probably the best, best goal for hockey I've ever seen. We've been watching. My dad, for some reason, is just a massive go for hockey fan. That's been his thing 
since I've been alive. He just loves, loves, loves gopher hockey. And he, he even said too, he's been watching for longer than we've been alive. Um, and he said that was, those were two of the, two of the most dominating games he's ever seen us play. And they happened back to back versus Arizona state. We won 10 to nothing. The first game, two guys had a hat trick that hadn't been done since 02. Um, and then we beat Arizona state 10 to two the next night. Dang. So it was just a, just an unbelievable weekend. And that was, uh, that made my dad very happy that started off the weekend of, of sports just perfectly. So that and was, that was my good, good takeaway. Is ASU pretty good this year? They, so they started off the year ranked and they've had a pretty tough season. They had to play tw- 22. They've had 22 games in a row on the road because no one wanted to go to Arizona. There was a weird thing. Mm. They've had to play the Big Ten. Um, it, they've had a tough season. I'll give it to them. They're, record-wise, they're not good, but they've had, they have the top goal scorer in the league, and they had the top goal scorer still on their team from last year, too. So they, they've got a great offensive team. They couldn't put the pieces together this year. Um, yeah. And it showed those games. <laughs> it was pretty yeah. awesome. Good. Good thing for Gopher Hockey. Keep them up there. Uh, I, I, what's, what's their ranking right now? Do you know? They we were stayed number four. Number four. Okay. We stayed number four. Yep. There we go. Yep. So that's that's right where we should be. I think I'm cool with that. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Best thing I saw all week was Aaron Rodgers' post game presser. Uh, sorry, Randy, to to kind of put the dagger in again, but he he said he's not certain about his future. He said uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something like, "There's a lot of players uh, future who's uncertain, and I'm one of them." So is it the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Uh, do you think, Randy? There's there there's no way. I mean the um this this is uh this this may or may not be a future blog post. I'm uh, uh I'm I'm gonna uh, spoil a little bit, but um I texted it to you all last night. But you know Aaron Rodgers has been deep into meditation the past year. He's been hanging out with the Dalai Lama for a couple of years. <laughs> is that true? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He's like buddy. The meditation the thing. Yeah. The Dalai Lama. Yeah, yeah. No. 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 He. No. He's. He, he's flown to Tibet and to see the Dalai Lama. And when the Dalai Lama has been here in the U.S. the past couple of years, he's always met with Aaron Rodgers. It, wait, uh, is the Dalai Lama still alive? Oh yeah. I didn't even know that. I think there's a new I've one just, every time they die. I think. Oh, yeah, it just okay. transfers. I thought it was just okay. I have a complete. And this set. one. This one's from Wisconsin, which kind of. <laughs> Explains it. <laughs> anyway, though, Rogers, <laughs> Rogers can see the future now. I'm convinced Rogers can see the future, and he knows that this was his last shot at winning a Super Bowl before, as I said, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the next ten. Um, so his comments yesterday, you know, maybe holding up the cleats, thinking, you know, why am I going to bang up my body only to to see Patrick Mahomes lift the Lombardi Trophy for the next ten years? Um, so. I mean, maybe either either Aaron Rodgers is a uh, is a psychic, um, or he was just really really sad and just saying really really sad things to bring everyone else down too. <laughs> yeah. A couple of days ago, he said the future was a beautiful mystery, and then after that game, he's like, "My future is very uncertain." <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, just in a different, little different fashion. He said it. That that was kind of me. Yeah. I'm I'm just kind of mind blown that the Dalai Lama is more than one person right now. I had no idea. Is it, so that's like the Pope of whatever church represents the Dalai Lama or religion. Um, I could be. I know the Pope. The same kind of process. I think. I think he's like the spiritual leader of uh, of Buddhism. I Buddhism. think. Maybe. Yeah, Buddhism. Yeah. 
I got gotcha. you. Yep. And okay. I think when they die, the, the spirit, they say, takes another one and they don't choose it. It chooses them. Something along those lines. I would not use that as a way, you know, verbatim. That's another way you can take hot take there. Yeah. Okay. I think well, the Dalai Lama finds its next Dalai Lama. Yeah. I, I think we have a lot to uh, reflect on before our next episode, fellas, uh, about the Dalai Lama. At least I do. Because I had no, I, I for some reason, I thought that was like one person a long time ago who, yeah, <laughs> I, I had no idea about the Dalai Lama being a, a perpetual role in society, I guess. So, yeah, I got a lot to look to look up here before our next episode, but that's all I got. Anything else from anybody? Go Bucks. There we go. Vikings suck. We'll be back on Friday morning. Not sure what we're going to be talking about. Probably some NCAA hoops. Maybe Randy's got some other things he wants to get off his chest about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, Maybe a little Super Bowl storylines. And, yeah, we'll see you guys all on Friday morning. Another turning point of folks stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. And still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable In the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life That was awesome, guys. That was awesome. That whistle part was really good. Thank you.